You're listening to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-host Tara Connolly. Hi. And Mike Connolly. Hello. And Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It is 2022, and we are kicking things off with a classic CD on a classic imprint. We are. No surprise there, probably. Exactly. (laughs) We are in pure land, and we are going to be discussing MSBR, Destructive Locomotion, dedicated to Chizu Matsumoto, and that being the original name of Shoko Asahara, the leader of Am Shinrikyo, the doomsday cult from Japan. And this episode will act not only as a discussion of the MSPR CD, but also a discussion of Am Shinrikyo itself. Much like our murder series episodes over on the Patreon, if you've heard those, you'll know how we'll do this. And if you haven't, well, here's your introduction to how we do our true crime slash noise podcast. And speaking of the Patreon, we're actually going to hold our recent listening for the extra segment on the Patreon. So it's our, if you haven't checked that out yet, every episode has an extra segment an extra 10, 15, 20, sometimes longer, just depends on how long we we go, add it on to the end of the episode. And if you are a patron, you can listen to the entire episode in one go through the Patreon feed. So we will be discussing some recent listening over there after we discuss this incredible CD. Before we get into that, a quick word from our sponsor. Out now on Oxen Records and available at oxenrecords.bigcartel.com. Circuit Wound, a sudden lapse of concentration CD. Jay Howard's decades-long harsh noise project abuses with sheets of gnarled, hellacious onsalt. Also available, Scathing, a capital beneath the wave CD. Mutilated feedback, vigorous distribution of American noise plowing through all guardrails. Unhinged swirl of limbs. Available at oxenrecords.bigcartel.com. Man, MSBR. You know, we've done some MSBR. We've we've we did Metal Strick and Terror Action. We did the Blazony Sharp collab. We sort of did intensification before Noise Extra was Noise Extra. <laughs> the one of the mm-hmm. one of the totally <laughs> mysterious lost episodes that was hinted at only in a photo. That's true. But it's true. Y- if you know this, if you know us, you know how important Koji Tano is to not only to us, but to noise itself. And you also know how important Pure is. So why not start the year off with a one-two punch of MSBR on Pure? Yeah, engaging in boundless inspiration through pure CDs, through Triple R, through MSBR, through Koji Tano and all the connections that they've made. Like really just saying Koji Tano makes me so happy. It does. It just, I'm I'm immediately excited and I'm immediately ready for some MSBR. Now, this was in my first Triple R order. This was the, the three Pure CDs I ordered were this, Obe Purification to Numbness, mm. and 
Masana Noise Extra. So it is. <laughs> wow, it's all coming together. It's never Fantastic. left. Wow. It's always here. And is it the title? Is it Destructive Locomotion? Well, is it the Chizuo Mazumoto reference? Well, that. That was, uh, admittedly, I was unaware of what that was a reference to when I would have ordered it. I would have uh, been too. Oh, and oh, and mainly because I knew that I knew of the cult and I knew of uh, of his uh, As- Asahara in his name as a leader. I didn't know that that was his original name. But you look at that CD. That's who you're getting on the CD, and. Really with MSBR, it's something I've said about MSBR as well as CCCC is that when I first saw the ad for Japanese American Noise Treaty, when I first got Japanese American Noise Treaty, there was something about those two names. The four letter mm-hmm. abbreviation project names was so strange to me. Yeah. I, I just, it, especially the four C's, but then MSBR, there was something so evocative to me then. And I, I just di- I didn't know what it stood for. I just was like, what a strange combination of letters. So I wanted to hear more. I would have had the Japanese American Noise Treaty, so I would have had the track on that. But other than that, I this would have been my first MSBR CD. I don't think this was a first for me, but I remember it so very early on because I, I know I got it at Record Collector in Livonia where Davin Brainerd from Princess Dragon Mom and Time Stereo worked. Mm-hmm. We talked about him numerous times on here. And I remember listening to it on the like boombox CD player they had at the shop for checking stuff out on on like be you know those crappy like foam headphones like not nice headphones not good to hear the the power right. of this mm-hmm. recording right right but I remember checking it out on that and there was a you know there was a box of pure CDs there like he was obviously getting stuff from Ron he was getting stuff from Koji because there's tons of great MSBR stuff there that's where I got most of my original MSBR uh, releases from like the you know kind of MSPR records tapes and also, you know, he played there in the store and also another yeah. show that Devin set up, which uh, we've talked about numerous times now. And so this oh, yeah, one and on the MSBR site, there's so many references to princess dragon mom. You can see shows, you can see reviews. It's they, great. Tour, they did a European tour, they did together. A European yeah. tour together. There's a, there's a VHS of it too. Yeah. And this is, so when you talk about the connections and triple R and Koji and, and the noise network, this is like one of those that sticks right out for me because it ties directly to me and to where I got this release and the person who stocked this release there and brought Koji over and all of these things like these tendrils have extended out into now 20 some years later, I'm doing a noise podcast every week. So yeah, exactly. It's, it's that sort of thing. Like this is, this is, this CD is one of the reasons for that. This CD is one of the things that, that spun me further down that path. And I, it's, it's a great disc and it's as great now as it was when I first heard it, which is, which is crazy to think that like how much impact it still has. And I hear more technique in it, more of Koji's technique and more of his uh, equipment a little bit because the Korg X nine eleven guitar synthesizer, it was his favorite piece of gear. It's he used it when I saw him live, you see it in almost any live photo. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he is uh, using it right ever. <laughs> Like, which I love. I like I it has like a trumpet and and flute settings on it. And it's so you can like plug your guitar in and it's got a an external signal processor basically like the MS20 does and sort of preset patches on the synth. I don't hear any of that on this. I certainly don't and You know, this... at times I did say that I felt that it 
nearly felt musical, like it was buried and being destroyed at points. It does have that musicality to it. It's one of the things, especially I think it's in uh, on the second track. Both these tracks are untitled at 28 minutes 100% and, and 22 minutes. Track. But the second track, yep. like two thirds of the way through, especially and, and the, the latter half of it way, it feels musical, but it's very hmm. obviously it's noise. It's 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 pure, proper noise, but it, it does feel very musical without kind of being a style of noise that incorporates things from traditional music like, you know death industrial with sort of rhythms or whatever it's it's just all out raw noise but it has this essence to it and also the frequency work a lot of the filter and frequency stuff is i attribute to that korg x911 and it's who else has used that as their primary instrument you know and, and one of the things with koji is that he loved like held on held on in in numerous interviews he talks about held on being yeah. one of his favorites and i think specifically interface and Hawkwind also being a huge, huge inspiration. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, there's an interview where he's asked what his favorite record is to, I think it's like to play in the morning and he says uh, Space Ritual by Hawkwind. And then what's his favorite record to play loud? And he says Space Ritual by Hawkwind. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, that synth is like, he, you know, he doesn't need the guitar, but he has this guitar synth, which would even maybe be akin to something that Heldon might've used because he, right. Richard Pinnas is a guitar, guitar player. But he's also, you know, a crazy synth wizard, which yeah. is anyone who doesn't uh, listen to Held On. There have been so many great reissues in the past, I don't even know, 10, 15 years that uh, check out any of the first like six Held On records and you'll be happy, I think. Oh, definitely. And something that I associate with MSBR is his use of feedback because it's here, especially on the first track, I think of Ultimate Ambience as well. Mm -hmm. And the way it's used is it feels he cuts everything out and lets the feedback shine on its own and then blasts it away again. Yeah, it's, it, he does that so frequently. And every time I'm such a sucker for it. I love it when, when just this whole, all the movement drops out and you just get that last squealing bit of feedback. But do you guys think that maybe that's, you know, after we do this episode and those sounds are omens for us blipping out of existence because all of these things coming together with first proto noise and the grandfathers of noise and our passion and everything coming again to the doomsday cult, which is either 10 years or 22 years after the end of times, depending yes. on your perspective. I mean, maybe once this episode's done, we're just going to become a wall of feedback and then disappear. You know what? I think it's very possible. And I think Shoko Asahara would be pleased with that result. Now, I've said that I feel that the Amshinrikyo cult and Asahara had inspired so many different noise releases and titles. You have Death Squad using Saren mm -hmm. as a title. You have Incapacitance, Saren Kills Every Bad Aum. You have the Project Saren on Slaughter. It was very impactful at the time and certainly for Japanese artists. It can really shift the perspective of a population. It's super impactful. Yes. Well, I think even in uh, when I, in doing some more reading about Am Shinrikyo and, you know, learning about some of this stuff and, and like I learned some things like I didn't realize Japan had the death penalty and yep. that and how he was how he was executed. Well, the in all the executions in present day Japan are uh, done via hanging. It is not a method that is 
generally it's not used a humane here. Method. Well, it's, it's it is a, a method that that Om Shinrikyo used, that Shoko Asahara used when one of his followers died hanging through yoga practice. It is also the method requested by Wesley Allen Dodd to be executed. Uh, you know, previous to moving to just hanging, the other method that Japan employed for capital punishment was beheading. They take their capital punishment seriously. And yes, Asahar was executed not too long ago. It was 2018. But to get to that point, you have to start. I'm Shinrikyo. And, you know, he was born with a blindness in his in one was he he was totally blind in one eye and mostly blind in another eye, Tara. What what was the info that you had? So he was born Chizuo Masumoto. He had infantile glaucoma, which means that the pressure behind his eyes led to de- detachment of his retina. So he was blinded in one eye and had partial sight in the other eye. And he was sent to a school for blind children where he had a reputation for being a bully because among the blind children, he had partial sight in one eye. And so he was known to bully them and steal money and take advantage of his partial sightedness. Correct. And once he moved on through schooling, he did get involved and interested in new age Buddhism, etc., what they would call in Japan new religions, because after the war, there it was very. Is it a tolerant period in Japan for exploring other cultures, exploring other thoughts, exploring other ideas, and the society and government were ready to allow people to pursue other forms of religious exercise. So he was part of a few different offshoots of Buddhism, generally revolving around yoga. Yeah, he studied yogic practice, Hinduism. He also had a, a deep interest in comic books. Again, which he, is he something would, he would use in Am Shinrikyo moving forward: comic books and anime, et cetera. Which we actually we watched mm-hmm. one of the one of his cartoons or yes. anime, what whatever the proper name for it uh, would be, uh, but his animated shorts that are explaining his methods of thinking and his birth as a, he called himself the Christ. He wrote a book about how he is the Christ, but his, his birth as a religious leader. And I, I think the most Amusing part, other than the songs and him sitting on a cloud, would be when he was sitting in his, you know, proper yogic posture and started flapping his knees and flying with his legs, like his famed picture of his levitation. Correct. He has a picture where he claims to have levitated. This would be in 1985. And he started Om in 1984. Now, before it was called Om Shinriko, it was called... Umu Shinsen no Kai, which means Alm Immortal Mountain Wizard Association. Great name. <laughs> Amazing Great name. Again, this is, this again, is also that's when a he very would... a fun translation, but but truly, you know, basically a spirit, uh, an ancient mountain spirit. This is when he would change his name to Shoko Asahara. Moving forward would be 
how he was known from then on out. So it was all this blending of occultism, Buddhism, science fiction, yoga. That was the one of the main things was yoga. He was a yoga teacher, and that's what drew a lot of people into this new religion. And it, I think it's really staggering. I mean, I can see how this would... This entire tale would leave an impression on someone who is in that country because it doesn't even seem fathomable to be happening in your region as one of your neighbors. I mean, it's it really just the more you read about it just keeps unfolding like there were 10,000 followers. Yeah, they had Ohm hospitals like they're they were so involved in so many things and. There were very mundane practices in terms of, you know, media and exercise videos and fun cartoons and silly songs and meditation practices. And then when you start seeing the darkness and hearing about the deaths and the cover ups and the threats and the um, captivity, like forcing somebody to stay in a box with barely enough oxygen to survive, hanging people upside down to prove that they were true believers uh, in front of a crowd and not properly developing their yogic practice, but just really challenging people to do that. Like even down to having chemists trying to make sarin gas. I mean, it's, it's wild the lengths that they went to. It's truly just a massive, massive organization. And I think when you pair up, the sounds on this CD and start thinking about compounds, cutting yourself out of society. Because of course, like many cults, many communities with a leader, one of the big things is that you cut yourself off from your family from your friends, from your work. And we'll see this, of course, with I'm sure yeah, so it takes you... such a different tone t- turn than like something like Jonestown, like it had a similar tone in terms of a Christ like figure and giving up your personal beliefs. But really the way they went about it was entirely unique and different. Absolutely. So when you think about these, this fire blazing noise, it's a perfect way to frame something like this. Yeah. The first track I was like, is this Shoko Asahara's mind? It's so hot and fast. It's like phosphorus and cyanide. It's total decomposition. It's failed transmissions to explosive devices. You know, one of the things I like about this is the immediacy of this disc in that these attacks were the, you know, a subway attack was March 20th, 1995 and a later attack was uh, April 23rd. And so this disc came out in 1995. This was like yes. yeah, recent, recent news. This was, he, obviously in Japan, this was huge, huge news as, as yeah. it would be here. And he heard and processed all that and, and made this recording inspired by it. Yeah, exactly. So it, it was, it came out right, right then. It's mm-hmm. not you or me it, doing a tape about it now, you know, exactly. <laughs> like yeah. this, is, exactly. this is in the moment of this, this whole thing going on and probably not nearly the information we have now about it even. No, 
Yeah, the Correct. trials were still happening. I mean, it took years. I, uh, he obviously. wasn't hanged until 2018. So it took years for everything to unfold. And it, it wasn't as though Shoko Asahara was the only one held responsible. There were 12 other people. There were investigations into the entire organization, which, like I was saying earlier, was huge. And so this took a lot of time. But, you know, his list of crimes go back even farther than that. Like there was an anti-cult lawyer who was trying to pressure the group to allow the police to come in and investigate. It was in Yokohama in 1989 and the man's name was Sakamoto and the Om Shinrikyo group was given a copy of an interview that Sakamoto had done when they shouldn't have been given that privilege because the information was going to be suppressed. And after they saw it, they captured Sakamoto, his wife. They poisoned them with sarin gas. They suffocated his one-year-old baby and they buried them in the woods. And they weren't found until six years later. Exactly. And that was one of the first murders that would be committed by Om Shinrikyo. Now, there was also some accidental deaths that happened within the compound that would be covered up. Bondage yoga, like upside down hanging and then somebody, you know, suffocated in that way. Like many times, like, like they always say, you know, in, in crucifixion and other places where you're bound, you struggle to breathe because your lungs can't reach full capacity. And so somebody suffocated hanging upside down. And then when another person started feeling guilt over this incident and wanted to go to the police, they were choked or strangled to death uh, and their body buried as well. Now, we discussed that it was very much inspired by yoga, very much inspired by Buddhism. So where does it go from that to end of the world prophecy to mass destruction and mass murder? Yeah, how does meditation lead you to a place and, and trying to cleanse yourself of once so you can have inner peace? How does that lead you to a place where you would be releasing toxic gas am, am, among a population? Very easily, it seems with Asahara because it was something that he was very much talking about from early on. And a big part of it is the Buddhist term of Poya P O A. And what it's, there's multiple spellings too. It can also be Foa, which is P H O W A. I'm just saying, don't spell it because it's, it's, this is the traditional spelling Foa. Well, that is correct, Tara. But I'm going to say POA for practical purposes because that's how I've been saying it in my head this whole research time. So that's how it's <laughs> going to be said. <laughs> it is the spiritual exercise that when one is dying with the help of a guru, your consciousness is transferred from the earthly plane to the death plane. And you can then achieve a higher realm in the next rebirth. Yeah. You're choosing the ideal time to let your spirit ascend or become free and go to its, its proper place. Where Am Shinrikyo took it was basically the idea that killing people is doing them a service by giving them freedom from their dharmic cycle. And so in order to protect the supreme truth, which is what, which is Shinriki, I'm Shinriki of the Supreme Truth, that we have to POA the persecutors, which is basically everybody who is not Om Shinrikyo. So this is something early on, this is the idea 
that they are going to mm-hmm. then move forward with in the next in the next years. Yeah, and that's usually something that's the term that's used in conjunction with with suicide or something that you inflict upon yourself, not necessarily something you would inflict on other people, although it could be, you know, with with warriors in that situation, but uh truly a fascinating turn for him to take and a direction to turn his people and the fact that the followers were on board and this made sense and they said oh yeah that that absolutely um is reasonable because they also you know during that time that they were experimenting with making sarin gas which is a a combination of cyanide and phosphorus and phosphorus in itself is you know, highly flammable. I know they had been um, experimenting with with phosphine. And I will derail us for one moment because that is what I like to do uh, because they did shoot some phosphine. One of their first attempted poisonings, they shot phosphine into the mailbox, like the mail slot of a journalist. And she survived, luckily, but she did get very sick. And so when I looked up phosphine, phosphine is another word, which I think is really interesting in conjunction with Shoko Asahara. So phosphine is a ring or spot of light produced by pressure on the eyeball or direct stimulation of visual system by something other than light. So, you know, like when you close your eyes and you push on your eyeball and you see that light, that's phosphine. Or when you're seeing stars, that's phosphine. And that's phosphine with an E, but phosphine with an I, P-H-O-S-P-H-I-N-E, is a colorless, foul-smelling gas. It smells like rotting fish and it's highly, highly toxic. So do not be confused um, if someone offers you phosphine request, <laughs> request the spelling. I would absolutely do that. And I think you could rub your eyes really hard and hit play on the second track <laughs> and really have some really weird in behind the eyelid sights with the complete classic end times noise of MSVR. This track is so great and it starts just proper start right from the beginning. It just rips in with that static roar and that like high, that weird high tone action that's going on there. That's just nuts. Yeah. It's not a whistle. It's just, just like nasty high white noise and this grinding beneath. And then he, he seems to hit sort of a zone and he starts switching between these sort of two fidelities of the static noise. And ah, this track is, is really great. Terry, when you talk about phosphine and pressure on the eyes, it also is making me think of, you know, the, the glaucoma he had when he was younger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And so that's, uh, that is a strange, strange sort of tie-in. It's a really strange connection. Now, now, in, imagine the, my confusion. <laughs> yeah, I'm no, like, absolutely. They shot that through her mail slot. Interesting. The this is this is live, isn't it? I mean, it's it. I don't hear overdubs. I don't think he was big on the overdubs. Like you know, yeah. Mass for Dead Insects is has you know different uh, sure. sort of hands at work. On it, but so much of the stuff, and especially the the earlier and and ninety stuff, none, none of it sounds like overly edited. But I don't think they he really edited anything. Even like the work in Magmax feels very live and straightforward. Uh yeah, I think that was maybe one of the things he appreciated was the the live noise, and this is definitely free flowing. Uh, 
free wheeling like the there's almost wild like tones on this second track where there's there's a lot of that movement of you know like a a lever a pedal not just knobs yes. it's so so kind of flying around and also this one is like these strange tones that kind of start pushing through and it's maybe internal feedback maybe you know a, a no input loop or something but i'm not sure how that you know how that works with that guitar synthesizer but i I'm, i have to imagine that's what's being used on this i was going to say this just sounds like a, a one person and and that's something that i i find really interesting is that it sounds like when one of the best sets when, that you hear you know if you hear a live noise set and you're there and it's so activated and you're like, damn, that was so good. And it was just one person moving, hitting pedals, doing whatever, whatever it is they're doing. And it's fascinating and fast and destructive and interesting. And I just love that about this entire disc. Absolutely. Yeah. This, it's, it's somehow dense and massive, but it also is minimal in the way that it does sound like one person controlling things. So they can only turn their focus to different elements at different times. And it's one sort of pedal chain or loop or however it's going. So there's, there's a lot of depth to the sound, but the movements are also very linear. And I like that. It, it pulls me into it in a different sort of way than something like CCCC. Yeah. 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 And it is like exploring the darkness and looking at the depths that one person can, in, can get into, like thinking about the impact inflicted on Japan by one man, by Om Shinrikyo, thinking about the depths of darkness that he thought was lightness and the just absolute limits to which you can take humans. It's a hundred percent fascinating. And I think that's why just the entire cult of Alm Shinrikyo is endlessly fascinating. The sounds coming from here could also have been sounds transmitted through the perfect salvation initiation unit. Now, this is something amazing that was implemented in Amshinrikyo. It was a headset electrode unit. Mm -hmm. And they would put it on people. They would also implement the use of LSD mm -hmm. for visions for the followers. And combine that with this perfect salvation initiation unit. So it was like the headsets we're wearing and maybe some MSBR was going in it. <laughs> maybe yeah, it was maybe this, maybe it was. It was, maybe it was ultimate ambience, you know, 92. Yeah. It could have, you know, maybe earlier. It was like damp sponges and electrodes on the yes. flesh of your head and, Allegedly, Om Shinrikyo sending his thoughts in, and maybe he was well, sending his thoughts in. You know, all of these new age practices that are gone awry or distorted through Om Shinrikyo. Also, I love that, like CCCC has those, you know, new age inspired disc covers too. I oh, think absolutely. That, I think that this brought a darkness to many of those 
aesthetics. Absolutely. And this is a quote from a follower who was very much someone who would stick with Asahara after the attacks, which a lot of followers did. There was a lot of people who could, didn't necessarily believe it could have been him or were just fully on board. But this is a quote from someone who experienced the perfect salvation initiation unit. They applied gel to my scalp, put a sponge on it, and then sent electric power via electrodes into my head. It was not an actual power, but rather the brainwaves coming into you. Several patterns of brainwaves, one of which, a very distinct pattern, was Asahara's. I thought that this man could really control his brainwaves. So maybe part Asahara's brainwaves, maybe part Koji Tano's brainwaves. Do you have a line on one of these uh, Perfect Salvation headsets? I'm telling you, I think what you need to do is just plug in Destructive Locomotion and let that alter your brainwave. It has been. It certainly it has. It certainly has altered our brainwaves. Cer- it forever. Well, and, and other interesting aspects to this timeline as to how people were pushed to trying to poison a population with sarin gas and murder thousands and thousands of people would be that they were under the impression that in 1999, they were going to be at war with the U S and that they were already under attack by chemical warfare. And most likely they were under attack because making sarin gas is, or any, any gas involving cyanide, phosphorus, anything that becomes airborne and toxic uh, it, it can stick around for days if it's very pure. It can stick around for half an hour if it's not very pure. It can live on your clothes and infect other people. So, you know, if that, somebody was exposed to it in a lab and then they were around other people, that would poison them as well. So it, it would be very easy to say the U.S. is poisoning us if they were making their own gas and doing it irresponsibly. And it was in the soil. and Yeah, it, it was, was in the soil around the area because, yeah. it, again, it becomes airborne. So once they were producing this, people were getting sick. There were elements that then led Asar to say, look, we're being attacked. Right. Yes. And and, and it's one of those things where the vast majority of the followers had no idea that. That they were synthesizing any toxic chemicals. So and, and then and then once they did know it was because they were retaliating against being under attack. I feel like that's such a thing in in so many cults, of course, is the uh, the, like the coming persecution, the, uh, you know, with Jonestown or like Charles Manson and Helter Skelter, any of these things, there's there's something bad coming this way. And so we need to defend against it or launch our own attack against it. And absolutely they tie in together, right? Like, oh, well, yeah, they're going to get us. So we got to start stockpiling some weapons and let's start making some making our own chemical warfare. And this wasn't, you know, uh, the the Tokyo subway gassing was not the first time that they had done attacks with sarin gas either. Correct. In 94 in Masamoto City, coincidentally named Masamoto City, there was they were trying to get some land there and it was being blocked and they were basically blocked by a group of judges and they were deliberating and awaiting their judgment. And it didn't look like it was going to work in their favor. So they rigged a refrigeration truck and parked it in their neighborhood, also near a body of water where gas can travel very easily. And the entire neighborhood was poisoned. 
resulting it, in what five deaths? No, it was it was sorry actually I, eight in total. It was seven mm-hmm. immediately, and then one person was in a coma until two thousand eight and passed and away. I have a so it was over five hundred people that were sickened, mm-hmm. and the person who was in a coma that long was the wife of the man who became known as poison gas man. So the house in front of which they parked the refrigeration truck, the police were investigating that man because he developed his own photos and he did pottery. So he had lots of chemicals in his home. And even though those chemicals couldn't be used to make sarin gas, he was their only likely suspect because they had no idea who it would be. And it seemed as though his house was the source of the gas. So he was immediately blamed, even though his wife was in a coma and she never awakened from that coma and she stayed in it until she succumbed in 2008. That's the so from 94 victim. to 2008, he had to, and he, he received death threats and they never like a full year until the Tokyo subway sarin attack. He was always the prime suspect to, to the extent that he had to move. People wrote him hate mail. He got death threats, which is so sad. But it was believed that um was behind this. That their One of their first chemical attacks was actually with anthrax in 93. <laughs> From a building they owned, they sprayed anthrax mist in the city and people were getting sick some pets were dying no one died from it but people were getting sick <laughs> and it was clear that it was from a building that they owned and people were basically the the biggest problem with the humans was that it uh it was stinky so people were complaining about the smell around the building so they so they were under suspicion for a long time for a number of things obviously the lawyer who was missing and actually the body of him and his family wouldn't be found until a year later until a year after the 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 subway attack in 96 Mm -hmm. but now they are talking about sarin within the compounds and the production of sarin and something as we talked about they would use to have these cartoons they would use anime comic books in order to talk about the cult spread the word and one thing they would also do is make songs and so there's two songs, lyrics here that I would like to read because they are based upon theme songs for other children's animated shows, but they take a different turn with the lyrics here. So the first song is Song of Saren the Magician. It came from Nazi Germany, a dangerous little chemical weapon, Saren, Saren. If you inhale the mysterious vapor, you will fall with bloody vomit from your mouth. Sarin, 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 the chemical weapon. Now, imagine that being in a sing-songy way to a Saturday morning Japanese cartoon, and that is how the song went. Again, and, it reminds you of the family. It reminds you of Jim Jones. Like, ab- like yes. the, the pitch black, dark folk songs of... The people. And that is true. Saren was originally invented in Nazi Germany. That's where it Mm -hmm. began. And this is Song of Saren the Brave. In the peaceful night on Masamoto City, people can be killed, even with our own hands. The place is full of dead bodies everywhere. There, inhale Saren. Prepare Saren. Prepare Saren. Immediately, poison gas will fill the place. Spray, spray, sarin. 
Brave Saren. So they were already they were talking about the attack in these songs that they would then sing. That's so wild. as we're leading. Isn't that so mm-hmm. as we're leading up to the attack in 95, it's really the end of the world is ramping up. He feels at one point that he's going to be emperor of Japan in 97 so that it's time to poa those who are not in um, Shinrikyo. And as gray pointed out, we come to March 20th, 1995. Now, part of the reason this day was chosen is because they got tipped off that they were going to be searched. Yes. There was... And that would not have gone well. There Exactly. Now, there was a, another murder that took place quickly before this that was very much thought to be um, Shinriko's responsibility. In fact, the victim... It's a 69-year-old man had said, told somebody, if I'm missing or if I'm murdered, it was Amshin Rikyo. So he knew that he was marked. Yeah, wasn't he trying to block his sister from giving Om a building? Yes. She was a follower and she was giving him all of her possessions, including a very expensive building that she owned. Exactly. So it was thought to quickly do, we need to get started on this because they're coming for us. Mm-hmm. Yes. Again, you see this in Jonestown. Yeah. Yes. Just for podcast listeners, if I am found dead, it was the Connollys. Check their collection for my tapes. <laughs> Absolutely. A hundred percent. You label all your equipment. You should etch your name in it. Yes. <laughs> yes. There's a few things that we can see now that certainly will be in our possession. We'll just go ahead and admit it now. We're going to make it easy for everybody. Uh, I will never be found because Mike will eat me. I, I will. And I, I, keep, I actually asked if for New Year's if I could take a big chunk out of her arm to eat it. No. She said no. No. And I keep asking why. No. I think she should let you. Just, a, you know, just, a, just like a big chunk. I just want to. I just let I, him. But, but what if he has like bacteria in his mouth oh, and then it ca- gets infected and weird like a Komodo dragon? No. I don't know about that. I have to do a little more research. Well, I'll support the research, but I'm going to well, push I'll, for. I'll, how about this? I'll look into it. I pre- I'll, and I'll look around to see if there's something I don't need. I appreciate that. So on March 20th, 1995, around 8 a.m., early in the morning. The attacks began. Five disciples boarded five different subway cars going on different lines that would the lines would end up connecting at a certain point, but they all got on different lines. Holding umbrellas with sharp ends with plastic bags covered with newspapers. So the sarin is actually a liquid that when exposed to air becomes the gas. So at various times, members penetrated the bags with the umbrellas and then immediately exited the trains. Now, they were also wearing masks, which would not be uncommon at really any era in Japan. It was actually watching a documentary. Sometimes now you when you watch things, you can point, oh, this is obviously made before 2020. You yeah, know, no, they're ahead of the but curve. But in Japan, yeah. it's, it is hard because there are, it is, a, a was standard for people to wear masks. So what wouldn't have been out of the ordinary for people to just have the surgical masks on. So that is, they did have that. But they would, they penetrated the bags and immediately got off. 
So when it started becoming the deadly gas, people were immediately getting sick, couldn't breathe, panicking. But as deadly as the attack was, it could have been thousands of more deaths. They weren't really great at making sarin. Right, right. It's not an easy thing to make. Yeah, if it's if it's more pure, it can cover more distance. And like I said, it it takes much longer to dissipate. So luckily they had not perfected the purity of this batch. And so people were spared. But however, it's still an absolutely horrifying and gruesome way to go. And even a, a gruesome thing to survive as we were discussing someone had, was in a coma for 14 years due to this because you know they when it was initially created by german scientists they wanted a way to interrupt the central nervous system of insects for crops and then it it was such overkill that it was considered of no value because not only did it just kill every insect within any radius it also damaged people and animals as well and what it does is it it makes you your muscles unable to contract properly and so essentially you just lose all capacity to to breathe to breathe for your heart to beat um and and i do have a description of it uh from an article in the atlantic and i i think that this is a very impacting description of what sarin does Sarin is an extremely toxic, colorless, odorless gas that acts on the nervous system. It falls in the same category of substances as pesticides, also known as an organophosphate. Even small amounts can cause death within minutes. Because sarin acts on the nervous system, it essentially disrupts all bodily functions. The pupils shrink to pinpoints, the mouth and lungs fill with saliva and bodily fluid, and the heart begins to slow. Blood pressure, responsible for keeping a healthy person lucid and conscious, decreases and the victim loses consciousness. He may drown in his own secretion. His bowels and bladder spasm painfully and empty out. Some victims may experience seizures. Death comes quickly and mercilessly. So even the people who survived had to go through something close to that. Yeah, it was, it was thousands of people. 13 dead uh, 54 yes. seriously affected by it. Another uh, thousand sort of reported as suffering from some sort of symptom of it, but they, they estimate it could be over 6,000 that actually felt the effects Correct. of it. Mm -hmm. That just people aren't, re you know, reluctant to come to and say like, Oh yeah, I was part of that gassing. Right. It's, it's not a, not a thing you're, you're proud of, I think as sort of culturally, maybe a, a shame there or a uh, reluctance to announce that you were part of this subway gassing. Correct. So it affected so many people, but obviously the, those thousands of people had this sarin been the potent sarin that they had hoped to make would have been all killed in this attack. Yes. So it's a few months, May, two months until we do catch Asahar. Now they immediately go to the compounds after this be it, under the guise that they're investigating the murder of the 69 year old also pretty much knowing that they're responsible <laughs> yeah that is shown mm. by the fact that they have gas masks they brought rabbits and birds with them to go in before in order to see if it was safe to go in like a tunnel canary it, mm -hmm. exactly exactly so 
they are arresting people, asking questions, but Asahara is nowhere to be found. It won't be until May 16th that he is found in the walls of the compound. With food. With food. He was pre- he was there. He was prepared to hide But immediately denied right away. A day after was denying that they were a part of it. So I didn't do this. We were innocent. We didn't do this. Yeah. I had read that it was like a structure they sort of built that was hanging from the ceiling that he was hiding in, like a like an enclosure, and he had cash in it. I mean, he was ready. Yeah. So he had food. He had stuff. He he was prepared, but he was arrested. And that was so May 16th, 95. Then you go into basically the longest trial ever. Yeah. It's constantly met with back and forth. I'm sure lawyers. And there are, again, there are followers who still we're believing it. There are also followers who didn't have anything to do with the attacks who saw the good in it and mm-hmm. kept doing it on their own. Eventually they renamed themselves Aleph, but no matter what, they're still always going to be connected on Shinriko. They get investigated every year yeah, or there's, so. They're still listed on most countries uh, watch list, that Aleph group. And, you know, I, it's really wild. He had, some sources say he has 12 children, but I know from his wife, he had six children. And even after his arrest, they can't even go to a school because they have essentially been blacklisted from all schools. Every community they move to, they are, you know, pretty much drummed out. Um, they have someone who was part of the the group who was a former educator who educates the children privately, but truly it's been decades without them, you know, being even able to hold a job or go to school. Cause I think the children have, have a pretty, you know, a 20 year age difference between them all. Right. And July of 2018, the same fate that met Wesley Allen Dodd death by hanging July 6th, uh, 2018 they hung him and six of the followers and then on the 26th they hung the remaining six so Correct. for a total of 13 from Om Shinrikyo uh, put to death 13, over this 13 for 13 right mm-hmm. and there was an attack after a car attack uh, somebody who felt that it was unjust yes so he ran his car into a crowded area with many people. But the history of Amish Enrico is something that inspired many noise releases, titles, tracks. And this might've been the very first one. Like you said, 95. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is right in there and was an obvious and immediate response to what was going on in the country he lived in. Absolutely. And what a response. I mean, and what also like what a long running organization and group. Yeah. yeah. You have to like, wonder like, how many people, people had heard it. of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, I yeah, feel like yeah, it was yeah. pretty common for people to have at least, you know, seen a cartoon, seen an ad, you know, they advertised in magazines. Like I, yeah, I, I feel like it was, it was a fairly common group to be aware of. Absolutely. And it's going to be years and years more that we're going to be listening to destructive locomotion. I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. 
Uh, just this is classic pure disc. You get two killer tracks of noise from a stellar artist who had a lot of vision and individual style and sound and inspiration and who also was a, you know, a pillar of the community then like, yep. Mm -hmm. Koji was in contact with so many people. We've heard from so many people how much, you know, trading and how, and to these, to this day, how inspirational he still is. So, uh, yeah, just a, just a classic. You can still get it from triple R. I highly yes. recommend if you don't have this one, add it to your stacks and put it in your ears. It's uh, it's just as as good as it gets. You know, it's that beautiful that, pure noise. Yeah, it truly is. But we're gonna go hop over to the Patreon and discuss some other stuff we've been listening to. Oh, and I can tell about the cult that I live next to as a child. Well, we might get some more cult info and some more recent listening thank you so much thank, thank you. you you've been listening to noise extra noise extra is brought to you by chondritic sound a home to noise artists for over 17 years by verdant weapons maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices and by our patreon supporters you can find our patreon at patreon.com noise extra and your support really helps you can find us on instagram at noise extra on the web at noiseextra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at noiseextra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to Noise.